Jamie, thank you. It's wonderful to hear your stories and to stand up and give testimony about Thanksgiving when some of you might have had a rough year. You ever been ready for a year to end, for the calendar to turn and to get away from 2015, 19, 80, whatever it is? You ever been ready to get rid of one, to get to January the 1st so you can start over? Some of you might want to get rid of a decade. Sometimes that happens and it's hard. I'm always reminded as Thanksgiving approaches of, of friends that, well, I've had a tough year. There's an empty space at the table. There's a different atmosphere. There's a different house. There's a different job. There's pain and suffering and agony and those things that have been present. And sometimes it's hard. But then to see somebody stand up after a hard year and say, I just want to thank God. It's just the greatest thing to see. And what we're called to do, to be thankful, period. Doesn't matter what happened, but to give thanks. Psalms 100 talks about giving thanks. Psalms 100, you know these words, uh, probably everyone I will make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence and sing it. We'll stop right there. What if you don't feel like singing? Remember Chippy the parakeet? I think I told you about Chippy. Max Potato talked about Chippy. He was in his cage one day singing. And his owner was vacuuming the bottom of his cage with the open nozzle of a vacuum hose. And the phone rang and the owner went to get the phone. And when she did... Chippy took a trip <laughs> through the hose into the vacuum, covered with the dust. <clears throat> and so she hung, hung the phone up and run to the vacuum, turned it off, and grabbed him out of the lint bag that you don't like messes with. And grabbed her parakeet, he's still alive, and so what does she do? She puts him under the kitchen sink to wash the dust off of Chippy, which is probably not the, he's the Baptist bird now, but she, she made Chippy Baptist. <laughs> And then he's wet and cold and they're tropical birds, so she gets a hair dryer and dries Chippy off. But now he's looking like... <laughs> Some the lady she was on the phone with was a newspaper reporter and thought it would be a neat story. And so put a story about Chippy in the newspaper. And that Chippy survived. And then she did a follow-up story on Chippy several weeks later. And there was a quote in the newspaper that, how's Chippy doing now? Is he still alive? Yeah, he's still alive. He doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits there and stares. <laughs> Do you know the feeling? Come before his presence was singing. Sometimes you just sit there and stare because you don't feel like it. The next verse, verse 3. Know that the Lord is God and that he that has made us, we are his, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture, and that's how you can sing. Because you have a connection. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. That's past this life. I was with the family at a funeral yesterday that buried a wife and mother and sister. 
She was 61. The Lord is good forever. His faithfulness to every generation. But if you've had a tough year, if you've wanted to skip it, your life is a mess. What do you do? Seems like every year Thanksgiving I look at this Old Testament book. We're going to get to Habakkuk in just a minute. Times were tough. 600 B.C. Judah. Devotion to God was at an all-time low, it seemed. Habakkuk, the prophet, was concerned with what he saw. Things were bad. The righteous suffered and the wicked prospered. The world seemed upside down. And this is how the book of Habakkuk begins. Chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. He's complaining. How long, O Lord, must I cry for help? But you do not listen, Habakkuk feels. Violence is everywhere I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see the evil deeds? Why must I watch all the misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Good thing they're not like that anymore, isn't it? The laws become paralyzed. There's no justice in the courts. The wicked far off under the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. It sounds like today, doesn't it? 2,600 years ago, the words were read. It's hard to watch the news today. World War III seems to be around the corner. And you hear commentators talking about World War III now more than ever in my life. Let's skip to the end of the book of Habakkuk. The situation is still the same. Jude's still in a mess. But as the book ends, Habakkuk says this. Even though the fig tree has no blossoms, there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren. Even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. That's bad in an agrarian society or in any society. There's no fruit, there's no vegetable, there's no meat. It's bad. But verse 18 is staggering. Yet I will rejoice. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. And all of the mess of the world in his day and in our day, for him to be able to say, yet I will rejoice. And then for him to be able to say, I will be joyful. It's such a wonderful testimony. So how do you get from the beginning of Habakkuk to the end of Habakkuk? How do you get from point A to point B? How do you get from complaining to rejoicing? Between his complaint of the State of the Union and his beautiful words of thanksgiving, go home and read Habakkuk. In chapter 2, God reveals to Habakkuk that he has a plan. And he tells them, times are going to be bad, things are going to be tough. But I do have a plan to defeat the enemies of my people. Chapter 3, verse 16 tells us this. 
after God revealed his plan somewhat to Habakkuk. Habakkuk says, I trembled. Inside when I heard this, my lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror. And then he says, I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Habakkuk became thankful. And Habakkuk had joy because he was reminded that God is in charge. God is in charge. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God is in charge. Do you need reminding of that? Do you need reminding of that? When you see Paris, when you wonder about what might happen, there was some scuttlebutt that Al-Qaeda was supposed to, or ISIS is supposed to do something in Atlanta. You see that on the news this week? And we live in a war zone at times. But we have to be reminded that God has a plan. When we focus on the world and not on God, we're in trouble. Because the world can get you down. That's why Colossians 3.16 is so important if you follow its command. Let the word of Christ dwell richly, in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your heart. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. That's why it's so important you talk about your Sunday school teacher who taught you the Word of God and put that in you. And when that dwells in you richly, no matter what happens, you can be okay, you can stand up and give thanks. If you pay more attention to God's Word than to Oprah or to Rush or to Glenn Beck or to CNN or to Fox or anything else, you're going to be in better shape. You ever listen to the radio and get stirred up? Watch TV and get stirred up? We need to know God's Word. And let it stir us up in the proper way. If you allow God's word to work in your life, it's going to change everything. Just a little example. In general, not in specific, but in general, what's God's word say about my life? And how am I truth? Cherish her. Love her like Christ loved the church. And if I follow that, is that not going to make our relationship better? But if I follow what the world says about the old ball and chain, that's the world's word, not, not God's word, and that's not one of mine. I'm just quoting what the world says. If I do that, then I'm in trouble. Here's some words to help you be thankful. Psalms 24. if you did this every morning, it's rebellion. This is the day the Lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it. You see, there's not a clause that says unless things are bad, unless things are tough, unless your team loses. It doesn't say that. It says it's the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. In his New Testament letter, James agrees with Habakkuk when he says in chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Have joy no matter what, because it's going to make you stronger. How do you do that? You remember that God's in charge. You remember the good things that He has done. You count your blessings. You add 
things up. Philippians 4, 8, we talk about it a lot, but it is such wonderful words for all of us. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. But why is it we can focus on something and let it take away every good thing? You ever done that? Our son Taylor is a wonderful young man. He will be in church today. He married a Christian woman. Jackson, his son, is growing up in church. He has a great job. He has a great ministry. I have no complaint, except he's got a beard down here. <laughs> and he looks like Duck Dynasty. I don't watch Duck Dynasty because I can't stand those beards. And he's got one. And we're going there for Thanksgiving, and we're supposed to do a Christmas picture, and I'm thinking, where are we going to put him? <laughs> Isn't that horrible that I can let that little thing bother me? But you're laughing, but you're exactly the same way I am, aren't you? Why are we that way? It's in the heart. So that's why we need to let the Word of Christ dwell in us. Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And that will change your life. If you know anything about our Thanksgiving, <coughs> in the Pilgrims' first Thanksgiving, you know that they did what Habakkuk and James and Paul taught. They lost so many settlers that first winter because of disease. In the first Thanksgiving proclamation, I will read to you, it says, The holy God, having by a long and continual series of afflictive dispensations, that's a long way to say it's been a tough year, has brought to pass bitter things against his covenant people in the wilderness. Yet, we evidently discern that in the midst of his judgment, he has remembered mercy. We're still here. We're still alive. And been thankful for God's mercy despite a tough, tough beginning. It was not until 200 years later that Thanksgiving officially became a national holiday. It was done at one of the worst times in our nation's history, during the midst of the Civil War. It was October 3rd, 1863. The Civil War was raging and Abraham Lincoln called for Thanksgiving and he said this. We have forgotten the gracious hand that preserved us in peace and multiplied and strengthened us and vainly imagined all these blessings were produced by some superior virtue or wisdom of our own. Intoxicated by unbroken success, we've become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity for redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God who made us. And he called for thanksgiving. Here's a modern day poem that I like. His advent right around the corner. Though the Christmas tree tilts and the traffic's insane, the in-laws are here and you know they're obtained. Though my checkbook is empty and my car's on the blink, my shopping's not done and my wife wants a me. Though the kids are screaming and I need some rest, my waistline is growing and I'm not at my best. 
Because I've had the flu now for some 40 days, and my doctor's on a cruise until sometimes in May. And finally, when stressed far more than I please, I promise to be grateful and down on my knees. Promise to be grateful and down on my knees.